welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror movies directed by women, which prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the lovely, the wonderful, the the christmas did. <laughs> I don't know. It's after Christmas. I was trying to make it work. Uh, Ariel. Hi. <laughs> hey, girl. How was your holidays? Um, yeah, it was quiet, but it was nice. Yeah. 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 Any good Christmas presents? I did. I got a lot of books. Oh, and I got an Instant Pot, which you keep telling me Ooh, that I need to don't, get. I mean, my Instant Pot are in a fight right now. <laughs> so. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that you joined the cult, but at the same time, like I said, we are not speaking so tell that bitch you better heat up. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, my Christmas was fun. We actually had guests, which I know people are going to be like, what? We're in the middle of a pandemic. And I hear you. And I validate what you're saying. I will say we did it very carefully. Everybody did a two-week quarantine and tested and did all the things that we needed to do in order to make sure it was safe. But it was really fun and really strange to have people in the house again after a year of having nobody here. But it was, yeah, it was really fun. It, it felt it felt special. And we drank a lot. And we <laughs> ate a lot. And we watched movies. And we played some games. And yeah, it was, it was, it felt like a holiday. And it, and I will say just from having this little small experience after months and months of nothing, when we do get out of this, everything is going to feel very special. And that's something that I'm excited for. All the things that I like, little stupid shit I took for granted, being able to have it feel big and fresh and exciting again is, is it's kind of awesome in its own way. That's a very thin silver lining for all the shit that's <laughs> going on right now. But it did illustrate something to me that I've been telling myself would be true for a long time. Now I know for sure that it actually does feel that way. So, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is exciting. It's so cool that you were actually able to figure out a way to have people over because I ended up having Zoom Christmas with different yeah. family members. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it if they hadn't. Yeah. One of them works from home and her husband took a month off of work. That's you know, so cool. he had the kind of flexibility that he's able to do that and not many people do. Otherwise, I would have been in the exact same boat as you. It was Zoom Christmas. Yeah. I had Zoom Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I feel I love Christmas and so I'm feeling a little mushy. Plus, to be fair, we're recording this a lot later at night than we normally do. So I have already been drinking. A lot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I had a very delicious stout called Even More Jesus. Oh, that's an interesting name. Yeah. yeah, it was very delicious. Nice 14% ABV. Mm, that's mm, very, very coffee-ish. Uh, very bourbon forward. <laughs> like I like my stouts. So I'm a little, I don't know. I don't know. I'm in a mood tonight. <laughs> Who knows You what sound I'm a say. little dreamy. I feel a little dreamy. <laughs> All right, well, this should be interesting. <laughs> yeah, so if my energy is weird, it, this is this is what it's like to get drunk with me, my friends. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a lot about how much you mean to me. <laughs> oh, Awesome. All right, cool. So uh, housekeeping. Well, I guess really the only big thing to talk about is last time we announced that we were rolling out the Patreon and it is now rolled out. If you were interested in joining our Patreon and enjoying all of our fun perks, you can do so over on Patreon right now. This so minute. You can hit pause, go to the internets, type in the Patreons, find us and sign up. 
and you'll get this episode as an extended episode with some additional content along with a fun bonus episode that's up. <laughs> Enjoy that. It is a very candid version of your favorite co Extremely candid. <laughs> <laughs> no, you weren't on that episode, but you got editing. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Pleasure, displeasure. <laughs> a little bit of a comedy, was, a little bit of comedy. It made me laugh so much. I can't wait for people to listen to it because, because I was laughing hysterically through most of it like at certain points i had tears rolling down my really? face because i was laughing so hard Aww. yes it was really funny oh i'm really so funny. glad i know there's a very long discussion about belly buttons there sure is <laughs> there sure is <laughs> far more discussion than i thought i would ever hear adults having <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was definitely fun to record. So I'm glad to hear it was funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, if that sounds like something you want to hear about, if you want to hear us discuss belly buttons for a long time, you should definitely sign up for the Patreon. <laughs> uh, I wish that was the only bodily part <laughs> or function that we discussed. <laughs> but it is not. <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> awesome. All right, cool. Well, we are going to be reviewing a movie tonight called Nocturne. Directed by Zoo Quirk? Quirky? Yeah, so unfortunately, I could not find any recordings of somebody saying her name. So we're just going to have to guess at that one. Okay, what is your preferred pronunciation? <laughs> I think when we recorded last time, I said Zoo Quirk. So. Quirk it is until we are know. corrected. Yeah. All right. If anybody knows, please, please let us know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nicely. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. So before we do that, though, can you please do me a favor and let our listeners know what our spoiler policy is? Yeah, our spoiler policy is that we spoil everything. So we're going to tell you about the entire movie, including any twists and turns and the ending. So this movie is on Amazon Prime. You can always hop off and go watch that and then come back and listen to the rest or just stick with us and let us spoil it for you. Indeed. All right. So now you got the the honor, <laughs> the privilege of getting to do all the research for this episode. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Zoo Quirk and uh, how this movie came to be. And, uh, but start by letting me know why you picked this one. Oh, well, we have been talking about the Welcome to Blumhouse movies. Mm -hmm. And how there was maybe one that you didn't like so much, but I heard, yeah, <laughs> but I had heard good things about Nocturne and it sounded like an interesting premise and it's directed by a woman. So it seemed like a perfect fit for us. Check, check, check. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a reasonable sequence of events. <laughs> What is wrong with me? And I, I don't oh know. God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to my co-hosts. I'm sorry to my listeners. I am sorry to the universe. I am a mess tonight. So just Bear stay with, with me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Zoo Quirk. I unfortunately didn't find as much information as I usually like to. I think in part because she is a brand new director. This is her first feature film. Wow. And a lot of times where I pull information from are interviews that the directors give at film festivals. And because of COVID, that yeah, didn't happen. No. So I was very limited. So I just want to start with that because this is going to be short and sweet, I think. All right. <laughs> so she is originally from England, but she's currently living in L.A., 
And one of the interesting things about this movie is that it draws a lot from her own personal life. So growing up, yeah, (laughs) growing up, she actually played the violin competitively from about ages four to 18. And she played very competitively. It basically took over her whole life. So when she got older, though, she decided not to actually pursue it into college and adulthood because she realized that she really didn't have enough drive and ambition for this particular art form and maybe not even enough talent to make it big. So she kind of set this aside and then focused more on other things like directing. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this is the same problem that our main character in the movie is kind of facing, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So she talked about how she was fascinated by kids who choose from such a young age to pursue something, an art form, and just put their whole selves into that. And it may never come to fruition, right? Right. So this movie was kind of her way of exploring an alternate timeline in which she chose to kind of cling on to the fantasy of a music career and pursue it at all costs instead of... What she did end up doing was realizing that maybe this wasn't for her and moving on to making to doing something that would make her happy. Right. I did think about that throughout the movie. What if Julia just it didn't work out? Maybe there was some amazing life waiting for her that she by forcing this, you know, is ultimately miss going to miss out on. Yeah, I think that's exactly what she was trying to explore. Interesting. Okay. So she said that Juliet is actually a lot like herself in some ways, at least at that age. Because she was also super competitive Mm. and she found herself feeling almost personally attacked if she didn't get a solo, Mm -hmm. if she didn't win a competition. Wow. So luckily, though, while she was growing up, she also found that she really loved writing and storytelling. She wrote all the time when she was a kid, when she had the time. And then around age 10, she started borrowing her dad's video camera and making movies. But it wasn't until she was in her late teens that she realized, like I had said, that music wasn't really for her and that what she wanted to do was pursue a career in film. So after high school, she went on to study at Oxford. And then unfortunately, I couldn't really find any information about how she transitioned from college into film. Hmm. But she went on to direct three short films before doing Nocturne, which is her first feature film that she both wrote and directed. Wow, that's awesome. So this was uh, one of four films that is in this first slate of the Welcome to Blumhouse movies Mm -hmm. that premiered on Amazon Prime this past October. She actually wrote this script and was kind of shopping it around. Somebody at Blumhouse got a hold of it and loved it and ended up making her an offer to become part of the Welcome to Blumhouse slate of movies. And after that, she said it moved super quickly which, if anybody knows anything about Blumhouse, is kind of par for the course, right? Yeah, that is their jam. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So she said that within two to three months of them reading her script, she had flown to L.A. to start making the movie. They only had four weeks in pre-production and then shot the entire thing in 20 days. That's interesting that they were so excited about this movie feels to me much more like A24 light as opposed to Blumhouse. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. You're right. It does. Bloomhouse movies tend to be a little bit more fun, and this one feels very art house. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it's got a slower pace that does fit a little more into that A24. Although maybe at, now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if that's kind of the vertical they're trying to crack into with Welcome to Bloomhouse because I kind of felt a little bit the same way about the live. It was trying to kind of veer into that territory, except for that it was much more campy. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> So the director said that she wanted to make this movie about sort of that universal feeling when your teenage fantasies all of a sudden come crashing head on with the realities of becoming an adult Mm. and how that can screw with you, especially when you've devoted yourself to something so big, you know, that you really want to accomplish. Uh And she also said that she has a real problem with how young people are taught from a young age that art demands sacrifice and kind of again how that can psychologically affect you i mean that does seem to be sort of the villain of this movie that demand for sacrifice yeah i mean there's that whole speech about it and i'm getting ahead of myself but the whole speech about sacrifice and how the music will live forever because what you're seeing is a sacrifice on screen so it definitely i can see how maybe as someone who came out of this world could have that kind of internal conflict about how dark that sacrifice is as well as having that desire and that appreciation for the sacrifice and you it kind of comes through in the movie I think I didn't realize it until you kind of explained where her background but I'm like yeah okay no wonder we have conflicting stories here yeah yeah very true so the other thing that I thought was interesting about this is that The two stars, the two main women who play twin sisters in this, they came to do a reading of the movie and then do chemistry tests to see if they had chemistry together. And apparently they had a ton of chemistry and it felt to the director and the casting director that they had known each other for a long time. It was easy back and forth. Uh And then they discovered later that the two young women actually went to high school together. (laughs) (laughs) twist they're like wow it's amazing it's like they've known each other since high school (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) weird yeah so the two young stars also had to take piano lessons in order to prepare for this so zoo quirk one of the things she said is that she hates in movies about music where you'll have somebody playing the violin or the piano or whatever and their fingers aren't in the right places or they're not holding the bow correctly. And so she really wanted to make sure that her movie, it really looked like they were actually playing. So they Mm. had, I don't know exactly what you call it, but like a stunt pianist, Mm -hmm. somebody who like a professional to come in to perform those scenes, but they had to have the women know some things about it because you do see shots of them with their hands on the keys. Yeah. Like when she's teaching herself with her second hand. Exactly. Oh, I actually wrote down what the director called it. It's a piano double. A piano double. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She also wanted to have the kids acting in the movie be really immersed in classical music all day at the school. But then listening to modern music like rap, house, electronic music in their spare time. So that was how she sort of envisioned how they would actually spend their real time. Mm. And that's why the score for the movie is a mix of the classical music that they're playing and practicing and this sort of synth electronic score. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. I love the score. Again, ahead of myself, but I love the score to this movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. It's really great. 
So, and then she also talked about utilizing silence, which I actually think is a plus in this movie. Mm -hmm. I think it was a smart move because she said that she felt like it builds suspense and that she also doesn't like it when the score is constantly telling an audience how they should feel about a particular scene. Yes. She wanted to give it space for you to sort of just think about it yourself. Yeah, I agree. I And I'm, I'm someone who is absolutely so easy to manipulate with a score. I could be Me watching too, a movie that I don't care about, full of characters I don't care about, and you put sad music on, and I'm crying. Right. right. So annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I was watching Ted Lasso today, uh-huh. and there's a part where one of the characters starts singing Let It Go from Frozen, and I was like, don't let anyone see you crying. <laughs> I don't even care about Frozen, but that song, I mean, the bright music... I'm just an absolute sucker for it. But <laughs> I do like that in some ways, you know, when there is no music and you're we're so acclimated to being told how to feel about things through the subtle sort of musical cues, it, it kind of creates a little bit of a, a vacuum that can lead to a certain degree of confusion. And it kind of forces you to process your feelings, which, you know, I think the Julia character is so conflicted in her feelings that that just tracks for me that makes sense yeah the cinematography for the movie was inspired a lot by east asian cinema she's a big fan and she said that one of the things that she did that was really inspired by that was that during the everyday scenes they used really very aggressively cold blue mm-hmm. lighting for everything yeah i could see that mm-hmm And then for the dream sequences, she wanted that to be much more saturated and there's much more oranges, reds, yellows Mm -hmm. in those scenes. Definitely. And the last thing is just that people, I guess, have compared Nocturne to Black Swan. Mm -hmm. Yep. And which I I can see and understand where you would get that. It's just like somebody threw Black Swan and Suspiria and a little bit of hint of the perfection into a little blender. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So the director, though, she actually attributes that similarity to the fact that she drew a lot of inspiration from a Japanese film called Perfect Blue. It's an anime mystery thriller, Mm. which I guess was also the inspiration behind Black Swan as well. Oh, that's interesting. It kind of makes me want to see this movie because I've never heard of it. Me too. Sounds cool. I mean, there is something very compelling about the setting yes definitely yeah that's all i got awesome well that was really interesting i definitely want to know more about zoo as as she goes forward because i would not be surprised at all to see a lot of stuff after this movie coming from her yeah it seems like it's the one that people are enjoying the most out of those four movies so that bodes well for her career i think so too i mean especially if she can stay on the blue house drag right yeah very cool well let me tell you a little bit about this movie okay so juliet who we keep talking about julia and her sister vivian are twins and they are attending their senior year at an academy for arts school it's a boarding school so you know it's all up crusty and stuff they're both classical pianists though only vivian is actually a prodigy and and it's a source of some tension and jealousy between the (laughs) two of them to put it mildly Adding to this, uh, Vivian has been accepted to Juilliard, which is also Juliet's dream school, and she was not accepted, so she's basically being forced to take a gap year and watch her sister go off to her her dream school, which is uh, not great. So 
There is another student named Moira, and she was originally selected to play the concerto at the end of your showcase where that everybody, you know, fights for this position because it basically is a launching pad for your career. But instead of playing the concerto, she unexpectedly commits suicide while leaving behind a wall scrawled with creepy carvings in it. And so now the girls have an opportunity to again audition to take the spot. At the last minute, Juliet changes her piece and she ends up choosing the same piece as her sister. And this is sort of the beginning of the real tension between the two of them. By chance, Juliet also comes across Moira's notebook and inside she finds a piece of music called The Devil's Trill and these really spooky drawings depicting some sort of maybe ritual. It's kind of unclear. And Juliet decides to play the music and the events in the book begin to occur in her life. And as they do, they start to improve her situation. The obstacles in front of her, including her sister, are taken out of the way pushed out of the way you might say um <laughs> and eventually she's able to kind of take over her sister's life she she gets the concerto spot from her sister she gets the best professor in the school that her was training her sister she even sleeps with her sister's boyfriend max and his tiny little weird ma- wispy mustache um <laughs> <That's> <laughs> hilarious. it's true come on <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> As the concert approaches, she realizes belatedly that the final step that had been torn out of this notebook was sacrifice, namely her own sacrifice, which after <laughs> doing all these horrible things to the people in her life, suddenly she doesn't want to do this anymore. But it is too late. So she, the night of the concert, she goes on stage and twisty turn, twist turns out she has terrible stage fright. So she panics, runs out, but has a vision of blowing everyone away and just killing it and finally being the star and the and the prodigy she always believed she could be that she would be great but in real life she's actually committing suicide and completing the ritual roll credits yeah (laughs) it's quite an ending (laughs) yes i mean i don't know what you thought about this movie but i think you can't really argue with that final shot yeah you really can't it's pretty great yeah all right so Speaking of which, what'd you think of this movie? Tell me what worked about the movie for you. Sure. So I actually liked this movie quite a bit. I think that there are some problems mm-hmm. up with it that we can get into, yeah. but overall, I really enjoyed it and I thought it was it was pretty great. For me, m- movies about music and competitive music this way, I always find interesting. I have talked, I think I talked in the episode, The Lodge, about my former stepmother that my mm-hmm. mom was with, her ex. Yeah. She was actually a professional violinist and violist. She played in orchestras around the Bay Area. So I got to see a lot of concerts and also a lot of their rehearsals. I used to do my homework while she was rehearsing uh, in the audience. And even as adults, there's a lot of competition. Oh, God, I (laughs) would imagine. Yeah. (laughs) Also, conductors are monsters. (laughs) Oh, really? Surprise, surprise. They're just big balls of arrogance. (laughs) At least that's my memory as like a teenager. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the setting of this movie is really interesting, especially with it being a rich kids boarding school. I mean, I think that's sort of rife for ideas with this plot because, I mean, you're stewing in all of this competition, all this like really direct competition. And then you also have to live together. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. it sounds kind of like a nightmare, honestly. Yeah. 
So one of the best things about this movie, I think, is the performance of the woman who plays Juliet, Sydney Sweeney. Yes. I think she is fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a ton of dialogue, but she's one of those actresses that we've talked about who says everything with their eyes. Yes. I mean, just looking at her face, so many emotions go across it over the course of the movie, and you really get a sense of who she is just by looking at her expressions. Mm -hmm. She is compelling, and in the beginning, I think you really feel for her situation, how hard it must be to have to compete so directly with a sibling and not just a sibling with a twin yeah. who's always besting you. I mean, it it just must be so painful. And I think it, the movie really makes you feel for her and connect to her. Mm-hmm. But then I think what the interesting thing about it is that you then get to see just how flawed a character she is. Right. I mean, she makes decisions that are just pretty awful throughout the movie like she's very flawed that way mm-hmm. and at times i think she's even totally unlikable oh but... i think she's extremely cruel sometimes yeah extremely cruel yeah which is interesting because i agree with you there's so much that she does just with her eyes and the way that the way that she looks at people when they're not looking at her the what she's watching all of that tells you so much about her and there's a, a still waters run deep quality to her and so when she does sort of unleash these moments of, of cruelty, they do come across as basically you're getting insight into a darkness that was kind of lurking there as opposed to just your run-of-the-mill teen angst. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm just thinking about the scene where she has blown up her sister's relationship with her boyfriend. Yeah. And she's watching from up in her dorm room down in the quad them breaking up and yelling at each other and just this sort of smirky look she has on her face self-satisfied like she's proud Uh of what she's done when she's just completely wrecked her sister yeah it's really interesting yeah and it's an interesting thing to do to your lead too right you know that we're so following her story and in her mind and feeling for her and then to show her in such a negative light throughout i thought was really interesting but again the actress is so good and so compelling that you want to watch her and you're interested in all these things that she's doing. Yeah. So for me, that was probably the the real high point of this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what else she does because she's really great. Yeah, she's in Euphoria, which I have not seen, but I've I heard really either. good things about it. Yeah. I, she was also in Everything Sucks. Yeah, but she's great. She's really, really wonderful in this, I thought. Yeah. So one of the other things that I really liked are some of the visuals in this movie. I I know that I talked in the production stuff about how she used the blue and orange kind of tones mm-hmm. in it. And I think that while that's not a wholly original idea, obviously lots of movies have used that color palette. I do think that it works well here to set the mood yeah. for the movie. Mm-hmm. And I also think there's just some interesting things that are done in the beginning of the movie there's a scene when she's auditioning and then she sort of i don't know blacks out or whatever you want to call it and the next thing you see is her kind of coming to in the hallway and you see the doorway reflected in her eyes Mm -hmm. and the camera just focuses on her eyes Mm -hmm. there are things like that that i thought were pretty interesting and also some of the sun images and and that reflected in her eyes too all of that i think worked really well for me and was really was really beautiful yeah definitely i agree with you this movie looks pretty great yeah it really does Mm -hmm. i also really like the idea of a kind of i don't know cursed or 
something sheet book of sheet music mm-hmm. i mean i think just the idea of that <laughs> yeah is really cool and the artwork inside these sort of medieval drawings are really interesting and the way that as she's kind of falling into line with these different the different pages of the sheet music yeah. as the things are starting to happen they kind of morph when she looks at them and things will become colored in and and ink will kind of bleed that was really cool. I really enjoyed that. I agree. I agree. I loved the I loved the art design in the notebook. It gave me a, a little bit of a hereditary vibe. Yeah, I can see that. Totally. And I think some of it has to do with just the fact that it kind of looks medieval. So obviously it's not exactly the same art style, but it feels a little bit like the illuminated books. Yes. You know, but darker. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that was definitely one of my pros as well as I really love the art. I wish there was more of it, if anything. Me too. Mm-hmm. And I like yeah. how it weaved in these sort of medieval visuals with contemporary visuals, like the sun becomes a spotlight or a halo becomes her sister's hair with tinsel in it because she's dressed for a rave or whatever. And I just thought that was a that was a cool mashup of those two visual styles. Yeah, I mean, I think directing wise, this movie is really well done. These visuals are very compelling, very interesting, and and really beautiful to look at at, yeah, at points. Definitely. I also think that the final scene, like we were saying, is pretty great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a doozy, and I didn't exactly expect it to happen the way it did, and to happen sort of so suddenly. Mm-hmm. But it's great. And the final sort of pull away shot of her bloodied upside down on this statue with blood coming out of her mouth. And she's just smiling because in her head, she's up on stage receiving applause Mm -hmm. and standing ovation. And then the camera sort of pulls back and students start coming out and nobody notices she's dead. I know. I know. No. I mean, I I love how that scene both kind of reveals to you why... Moira was smiling, right? Yes. It does a good call back to that. But the true gut punch of the ending is exactly what you said, that as we pull out, person after person just walks by her body. And after all of this, she's still not a star. She still doesn't yeah. stand out. Yeah, she still goes unnoticed. Oh, man, that's grim, but I love <laughs> it. So I mean, it's a, an earned ending for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you had that hack, that ending on a lot of other movies, it would not have worked. You know, it doesn't feel like an ending, but thematically, it just hits. It just hits a little different, as the kids would say, <laughs> because it's all about you know, I I could be great. I I have something in me, and all of the things that she does, all of the cruelty that feels justified in her mind in order for her to be in the spotlight, to have her her dead body draped across this statue and have no one even pay attention oh yeah it's a really good ending damn damn. (laughs) i was already liking the movie and enjoying it Mm -hmm. and and saw some things that i thought were really interesting but that ending really sold it for me that put it over the top yeah you know I I mean, I would almost recommend this movie to somebody just based on the fact that they're going to get to see that ending. The ending is dope. Yeah. And the thing is, is you have to watch the movie for it to fully have that impact. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. definitely. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jinx. Okay. So as you mentioned, I have watched a couple of these Welcome to the Bloom House movies, and this one was by far <laughs> the better of the two. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, that other one was rough. All right. It, it, I wouldn't say this is one of my favorite films of the year, but there were definitely, definitely things that I enjoyed about it, including that wild ass ending. I think that if I had found this movie at 12, I would have gone crazy for it. Yeah. Oh, good point. Yeah. Yes. It, it's just transgressive enough that I would have been so compelled. I think the teen angst, the lust, the supernatural aspect, and there is some viscera, but it's not to the point where it would have been off-putting to my little delicate self. This, right. this would have absolutely <laughs> have been my jam. As someone who grew up reading you know like supernatural books and and also vc andrews this would have been i would have been about <laughs> it and i feel like this does kind of feel like the the YA version of something that late say you want to blossom into a particular type of horror fan whose favorite movie is black swan this is a great stepping stone on that Good path. point yeah you know because i feel like for that audience now and that's not to say that this is ya and that it only could appeal to a young audience i'm just saying that baby Rachel would have lost her shit over this. <laughs> what this movie to me really has going for it is that it has a shit ton of atmosphere. There is not a lot of scares in this, but there is kind of a pervasive sense of dread and also kind of watching someone come apart in a, in a strangely put together kind of way. Yeah. Like never does she until the, the very, very end when she has her panic attack on stage, she's so put together even when, she we're watching her basically tear her own life apart which is yeah she's very controlled very controlled and i think that that fits for a lifetime of sacrifice in order to become a musician right you become very repressed and very controlled and so and that's part of why when she lashes out it's both horrifying and yet satisfying at the same time I don't know. It's cruel. It's she certainly knows how to really turn the screws to someone and hurt them. She sure does. <laughs> but not in a mean girl kind of way. No, it's very different. And there's just a cold cruelty to it. It's not like a schadenfreude kind of thing that she does. You get the sense that it's all in her all the time, but it's all so pushed down and hidden. And it's almost like a veil drops and you see, oh, this is a angry, hurt person. Right. Because I think you're right that when it first starts happening, mm -hmm. you do almost want to root for her a little bit yeah. because she's been so kind of pushed down and ignored uh -huh. and had it so seemingly difficult in some ways that you kind of want to see her win until you see just how far she's willing to go and just how mean and cruel she's willing to be to right. meet her ends, you know? It does feel a little bit like a spirit of competition a little bit. I mean, I get why your sister's upset that she's, you know, but at the same time, she's like, can't she, can't she understand? She's now kind of in the same boat her sister has always been in. But then when it starts getting to broken arms and stolen boyfriends and all that right. stuff, when it really, that's when things really go too far. You never see a moment of, regret ever no no <laughs> there's never any ambivalence about what she's done i'm trying to think if you even see it when she sees her sister down below or if she's just freaked out i don't i don't think yeah, we I ever don't... see regret in her face and when her sister no. comes to her she never expresses any regret maybe at the very 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 beginning but it's an we know it's an act it's never true regret right and the 
it's not part of the movie for her to have an arc where she comes to that realization that, oh, I went too far and this isn't what's really important. She never gets there. No. And I don't think she ever really would. No. There's a little bit of a sociopath in her. And I, but I also feel like it's a little bit of a created sociopath, not a born Mm. one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, And it comes back to, I know we talked a little bit about this already about the setting of this and how, I, I'm with you. I love anything that's set in like an art school is always going to be very compelling to me. And I think it's because it's this perfect blending of something being very familiar that it's a high school and these are teenagers and there's teenager problems, but also it's very foreign and and enough to be compelling that they're they're in this total pressure cooker with all of these kids vying to be the very best. And so it's these weirdly heightened stakes for teenagers. So it it just makes it an ideal setting for horror because everyone is already under so much pressure and already so hungry and so encouraged and conditioned to be hungry that they're just sort of susceptible to this kind of behavior and cruelty and things like that. Plus it has a little bit of a Suspiria vibe and that's always interesting. You'll always get me (laughs) with one of those, but yeah. yeah. So I love the setting of this movie. Any sort of fine arts horror I'm discovering is a thing that I didn't realize I, I needed in my life. But <laughs> between this and the perfection and Suspiria, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm learning things about myself. And finally, I really, I, I mentioned this right off the top. I love the soundtrack for this. Right. We, we talked about the classical music and the silence, but the the synthy stuff, I really like. Particularly, there are some vocals that they, a vocal cue that go back to again and again or it's, it has sort of a very witchy kind of vibe to it. Yeah, it's kind of haunting. Yes, and it, it, it just kind of gave a real sense of the uncanny, which I think mm-hmm. was important. And it reminded me, again, I got a little bit of Suspiria vibes for it. Which, by the way, I don't know if you've listened to the Suspiria score since you saw the movie. but The original or the newer one? No, I'm sorry, not Suspiria. Hereditary. Oh, yeah. Somebody set the Hereditary score to a montage from the first alien film. It is fucking oh. incredible. I will find great. it and I will put it in a, I will put it in the show notes for our listeners, but I will, I will just send this to you. Yeah. It is. Please. I it made me, for, I had forgotten because I was so just traumatized by the content of that movie, just <laughs> yeah. how incredible the score is. But there's something about the familiar and creepy vo- uh, visuals of alien set to that sound, the, that score that is just fucking Jeff's kiss, dude. It's so incredible. So I'm going to send that to you. But yeah, okay. so yeah, the score of this movie is unsettling in the best kind of way. I really am very into that like eh, sound. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of women or one woman who is layered. I don't know what it is, but it is, it is, it's almost a screech that turns into something kind of beautiful. But it, it and it feels like a chant. I don't know. In a, it, it feels ritualistic in a way that fits perfectly with this movie. Yeah, very true. All right. The time has come. Let's talk about maybe some things that didn't work for us. You first. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So overall, I really love this movie. And I actually don't have that many criticisms of it. Awesome. I think that it's pretty great. And although, like you were saying, it might not be at the top of my list of greatest movies because there have been some fantastic ones that have come out this year. Mm -hmm. I do think it's really solid and it's an interesting movie and a different take on this kind of movie than I've seen. I mean... Just the idea of that cursed sheet music stuff is fascinating and totally different. So I definitely think it's worth seeing. I think that one of the flaws is just marketing this as a horror movie. (laughs) Mm, That's fair. That's fair. I mean, there are horror elements to it, like you were talking about, kind of like the perfection or Suspiria. 
there are definitely elements there, but I wish almost that it had gone a little bit further. Mm-hmm. I think that you could have added in more horror elements with the visions she has. I also think when she sees Moira with her head caved in, that's sort of a, a vision that we return to a couple of times throughout the movie. One, I actually don't think that looked that great. I think whatever special effects they used for that were not fantastic. But I also think that would have been a great opportunity to, again, add more horror. I know. I would have liked to have seen more of Moira. Yes. She was creepy. She was very creepy. And I think that that would have been an easy way to make this creepier. Now, the director herself actually said that she doesn't consider this a horror movie. She called it a psychodrama. Okay, sure. So, I mean, that... (laughs) Sure, boo. Whatever you need to believe. (laughs) (laughs) You have the view. (laughs) But I also don't think that's wholly accurate either. Yeah. Because there are enough horror elements here. I think it could have gone even further. And those kind of creepier moments could have had a little more teeth to them. And been almost a little meaner in the way that the rest of the movie kind of is. Mm -hmm. I also think another way you could have done it was with the way her kind of descent into madness. Maybe that could have been elevated or heightened in some way. But other than that, I think maybe there were a couple of times where the movie slowed down and it felt a little flat. Mm -hmm. But overall, I really liked this one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I was very entertained by this. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely have some cons, but okay. overall, pretty freaking solid. I, I almost wish that it, there was no supernatural aspect and we re- kind of discover that it's really, truly all in her head. <laughs> oh, that would have been really good, too. Right? Yeah. I mean, I know we it would can't just been really... that nastiness to it. And yeah. the only way that, you know, the way that you could have done that is just remove Moira completely and have her just right. find the notebook. Yeah, kind of thing. true. I think this movie is not exactly reinventing the wheel. Right. You know, there is a little twist of her having stage fright that was definitely a bit surprising and one of the more interesting moments of the movie for me because, you know, we see in this moment how f- the futility of all this cruelty that she was really doing this for nothing because no matter what, even if she was the super accomplished, she'll never be able to showcase that talent. So I thought that was a kind of a nasty little twist to the movie that I appreciated. Mm-hmm. But pretty much everything else you kind of saw coming which again if this was something that i saw at a younger age and i wasn't the grizzled old horror fan that i am these days i probably would have been surprised a bit more by this movie and so you know predictableness is definitely a bit of a con in this but again i think most of my other cons are about wanting more of things that i did like i wish that we knew more about the book if it's not just in her head then i want to have a more robust mythology you know is this a legacy that passes on from person to person is somebody else destined to pick it up next is this associated with any real power you know again i keep going back to hereditary but who is the paymon of this movie is there one or is this just something that is a curse of you know obsession with being the best i I wish that was a little more clearly defined uh, because it's one of the most compelling parts of the story to me and I, yeah, agreed. I would have loved more of that. Even if the movie had to be honestly a little bit longer, I would have liked more of that mythology. And you're right that it would have been cool if they had gone one of two ways. Right. Either had there been no supernatural stuff and there's just the meanness of her doing this. Right. Or 
let us know more about the history of it and have it be like a self-perpetuating thing would have been really interesting. I also wish the film was a little more visceral. There are a couple yeah. of instances of blood, both menstrual, that are especially when she finds the handful of tampons and she's That's walking around great. the school. Yes. It's fantastic. And I yeah. kind of wish that we could have had some more of that. I felt like we were playing with a theme here in that we had this back-to-back menstrual blood thing, but it never really went anywhere, at least not that I picked up on. Maybe it's blaringly obvious and I'm just obtuse, but (laughs) I I felt like we were kind of going somewhere that was going to take this movie into more of a raw realm, which I would have absolutely welcomed. Yeah. Because that's another one of these weird school settings, right? That one's a veterinary school, but still it's that same kind of high stakes sort of school. And I, I, I wish we had leaned a little bit more into the viscera. If we could have found more ways to make this bloody, even if it's not violent blood. Like I said, I felt like there was something there that was not realized. I mean, I know there's a whole like, wo- they're woomies, but yeah. I don't know. I just feel like uh, there was something there that just did not quite land. Because I don't think you have back-to-back menstrual blood things and then on accident, right? Right. No, of course not. And that scene is really cool with her walking across the school. I mean, I mean the sound effect of her scene. squishing her yes. hand into the... Pl- and it's just dripping down her forearm. I mean, that shit yeah. was great. And then she just yeah. threw it down. I wanted her to throw him at her sister, you know? I'm like, right? <laughs> really needed that scene. But yeah, so so yeah, I wish we kind of explored more visceral things with this. Because one of my favorite things when you're telling feminine stories is to just kind of talk about how wrong gruesome womanhood is. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. So that was, to me, I felt like a missed opportunity. But overall, again, I really thought this movie was very entertaining. There were things that I really enjoyed about it, particularly visual things and performances and the music, which I've talked about. But I I just wish it just went a little harder. I wish it hit a little harder. It was a little bit, I guess maybe because she doesn't want to commit to it being a horror film. It wasn't enough of that. It needed to be more yeah. of that to elevate it yep, to the same exactly level as the other films that it definitely is, if not homaging, it is definitely in that some same sort of milieu, right? Um, and I feel like because maybe she was pulling those horror punches, it doesn't quite reach those levels. Yeah. But it's still quite good. And I'm definitely, definitely interested to see what she does next. Absolutely. Hopefully, maybe she'll embrace the horror and go a little deeper into it. I would love that. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, so my cons are not failures of the movie, just things I wish there was more of. Yeah, I think that's fair. That makes sense. All right. Anyway, <laughs> any other thoughts about this before we move on? <laughs> no. Awesome. So overall, I think, yes, we liked it. Yeah, definitely. All right. And I think especially for something you can just sort of stumble upon on Amazon Prime, it's pretty great for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely curious to see what the next round of Welcome to the Blumhouse movies are. My understanding is that they are much more horror specific. Ooh, okay. Awesome. Uh, and spoiler alert, we'll be talking about that a little bit in the extended episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. Well, we hope you like this review and if you enjoy or enjoying the show and or you have anything you want to talk to us about, like maybe what you'd like to hear us cover on the show, whatever the case may be, you can drop us a line at Rachel at zombiegirls.com. And if you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. And if you're looking for something to watch tonight, you should definitely head over to the Zombie Girls website and check out our VOD and streaming calendar where we keep track of all of the 
horror and horror adjacent things that are uh, coming your way on video on demand and all the billion T streaming services. Like really, you want to keep track of all those things? As the person who does, let me assure you, it takes a lot of time. <laughs> so let me do it for you. Come check it out on our calendar. And if you love the show and you want more of us in your life, you should definitely subscribe to the Patreon because for people who are Patreon members and are getting the extended episode this time, we are going to be looking to the future. We're going to be talking about our most anticipated women-directed horror films currently that we know about coming out in 2021. And there's some goodies. I don't know about you, but I'm yeah. kind of excited for 2021. Yeah, me too. There's a ton of good stuff coming out. Awesome. All right, but before we sign off, let's talk about what our plan is for the next episode. Now, it's a me pick, and I can't remember if you've seen this movie or not. I'm hoping you haven't, but you might have. Have you okay. seen The Love Witch? Yes, I have. <laughs> damn it, damn it, damn it. No, let's do it anyways. That movie is so good. Yeah, you want to talk about it even though you've seen I it? I mean, there's so much stuff to talk about in that movie, I feel like. Okay, all right, cool. Well, then let's do The Love Witch, directed, written, costume design, edited, <laughs> all of the above by Anna Biller. Here's the synopsis. A modern-day witch uses spells and magic to get men to fall in love with her with deadly consequences. Pretty. Do you like that? Was that good? I should be so a voice actor. I'm so good at this. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll be talking about that. It's one of the most beautiful movies ever. It really is. It's stunning. And I've only seen it the one time. So I'm looking forward to revisiting it. There's so much good stuff in that. Grace that I think will be really fun to talk about. <laughs> I know that can't just be me. <laughs> All right. Ariel, take us out. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. Meet us back here in two weeks for The Love Witch. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.